Good evening and welcome to Educationally Speaking. This is the show that explores education in our local schools and communities. I'm your host, Scott Lay, Nevada County Superintendent of Schools. Tonight we are going to explore and talk about homeless educational services that are provided for our schools. Kind of take a look at what's going on in our county, uh, what's out there, and what the future might bring. Uh, with me are three experts in the area in the Superintendent's of Schools office, and uh, uh, they do a marvelous job. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell us what they do in their roles. So first up, Melissa. Hi. Uh, thanks, Scott. I ruined the surprise, didn't I, by saying your first <laughs> name? <laughs> I'm Melissa Perrette. I'm Student Services Program Coordinator at the Nevada County Superintendent of Schools Office, and I also serve as the um, Homeless Liaison for Nevada County. And I'm Charlotte Peterson. I am the Homeless Education Program Specialist. Hi, I'm Katie Dyer, and I am the Case Manager at Nevada County Superintendent of Schools. All right. Well, Melissa, Charlotte, and Katie, welcome to the show. And for those listeners out there, you probably recognize Charlotte's voice because you'll hear it quite often on KVMR. But this is her other job uh, through the day. Uh, and thank goodness it is. Uh, and part of an amazing team that really looks out after our homeless youth in Nevada County, offering guidance to our school districts and support for families on, uh, on how to navigate this. So if you had to give a, an elevator speech on what you do, and this is before we get into some details, Melissa, I'm going to ask you, what would that be? What would you say the three of you do? Wow. Um, so the, I think that we can just um, each briefly speak to that. Mm -hmm. I, I think in my role as the countywide um, liaison, I um, am involved very largely at the, at the state level and regional level with respect to um, legislative updates and making sure that the schools are um, following requirements um, to meet the needs of homeless uh, children and youth um, within our school system. And I'm also involved in grant writing, and I serve on a variety of boards here within Nevada County to, um, to address homelessness. Right. Charlotte? I think um, I, the best way to describe Briefly, what I do is I work extensively with staff at the schools, especially the homeless education liaisons, and work closely with them in helping them identify students who qualify for homeless services. Great. Katie? I primarily work with the families that are referred to me from the schools, so it's a partnership between the schools and other agencies to get them connected to resources to ultimately find housing in the county. Right. Which is yeah, great. And and the reason it's at the superintendent of schools office, it would be very difficult for each district or charter school to try to figure these services out on their own. So yes. instead, we're lucky the three exactly. of you take that on on their behalf and then work with them. One of the things I think, you know, I found fascinating learning more about this program when I came into this office was homelessness is there's no singular definition and the definition for schools is different for other definitions like for the county of nevada so what is our educational definition of homeless so uh so the homeless education is actually guided by it's the mckinney vento homeless assistance act it's a federal uh mandate 
um, enacted in 1987. And the main difference with uh, through the McKinney-Vento Homeless Education Act and, say, the Health and uh, Human... HUD. The HUD. We'll just say HUD because I... <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, definition is that under McKinney-Vento, uh, it a student that does not have a fixed, regular, or adequate nighttime residence and the largest population are families, children, and youth who are living in the home of others uh, doubled up due to economic hardship or loss of housing. Or if they were not doubled up in someone else's home, they would be living in their car or they don't know where they would be. Whereas under HUD, uh, if a family is housed, they're not considered homeless. So McKinney-Vento covers a much broader range of housing uh, scarcity, transitional housing situations, so families that are in shelters or uh, transitional housing, as well as all of those families and youth who might be living in cars, trailer parks, campgrounds, out by the river in a tent. Um, yeah. And counts. also... Yeah, that all counts. Um, and families uh, who've lost their housing due to uh, natural disasters. Mm-hmm. So when we have our fires raging right. through California, right. all those students would be considered homeless because they have lost their primary housing, even right. if it's temporary. Right. Yeah. And then the HUD definition, which is more restrictive. More restrictive. I mean, I'm really glad that ours is the least restrictive. But the HUD definition, that'd be more like what the like uh, city, state, governments go by. That definition Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. With that, good. And and McKinney Vento, um, you hear that a lot. And again, that was from 1987. You mm-hmm. said, and that was a bill that was passed. It's a well, it's a federal educational mandate. Okay. So every state in the country, every school district in the United States must have a McKinney Vento homeless education. Uh, liaison or program, and we've kind of transitioned uh, nationwide, and especially in California, we're transitioning away from the term McKinney-Vento because people kind of go, it's what's confusing. a McKinney-Vento? Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So it's homeless education, but it all falls under the under. McKinney-Vento Act. Act of 1987. Mm-hmm. Melissa, look, can I add something? Sure. Um, the Act was designed to ensure that um, that any barriers to access to education were removed. So the McKinney-Vento Act itself is is a guideline to um, for schools to ensure that um, students have equal access to education. So that may look like, um, you know, immediate enrollment. We want to ensure mm-hmm. um, that um, students are not bounced around, um, even though their housing situation may change. So we work... Uh, with folks to ensure um, or to try to reduce school transitions mm-hmm. um, from school to school. We assist with transportation, uh, vaccination requirements, um, ob- obtaining records um, and things of that nature. Um, but those are some of the basic guidelines um, provided within the McKinney-Vento Act. And then, of course, um, our office um, takes that several steps th- further um, through our community partnerships with that and and mentioning that those reducing those barriers you can imagine if a a family loses their house in a fire some of the fires luckily we didn't have 
any large fire in our county this year, thank goodness. But in years past, we have where mm -hmm. uh, we've had several homes destroyed. So they go to enroll in a school and they don't have records. This allows them to skip that piece, correct? And, and we'll find them later. Let's get the kids enrolled, get them get them their education, get them lunches, you know, get, get all the things. We don't need the qualifying paperwork. Exactly. We're right. wanting to make sure that all of their basic needs are met and that they right. have stability and a safe place to be while, while the family um, works on getting some of those other things taken care of. Right. Well, and I know for stability, too, it could be maybe you live in Grass Valley you move, and you, all of a sudden you have to go to Penn Valley um, where there's another school district, but it would allow you to stay in your the district you were at so you're trying to cause the least disruption in the student's life exactly. there's already enough going on so yeah that those are great protections for kids mm -hmm. trying to yeah keep them keep them safe make sure school's always that safe place that doesn't change a lot and you know they, they know it's okay they can relax a little bit well mm -hmm. nice um with that any other qualifying factors for homelessness? You went over a couple. I mean, the big one really is kind of that doubling up, which doesn't count under HUD, but counts under schools, if it's for economic reasons. Like, not just your visiting. Uh, you know, grandparents or aunts and uncles, but you're having to live there because you don't have housing, you can't afford housing. Otherwise, like you said, you may be living in a car or a trailer or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and we look at each case Individually, I mean, and that's kind of the because sometimes a um, a situation may appear that um, a student does qualify, or maybe that does not qualify. But when you have more conversations with, um, say, the school counselors or the the homeless liaison at a school site that is familiar with the student and with the family, as you know, more details might come out. Mm -hmm. So it, it's um, you know, it is it is very. Case specific, so right. we look at each case individually, while still trying to not, um, while still being sensitive that to the fact that this is a hard thing to talk about with some. Yeah, there's a stigma folks. Mm -hmm. with it. Yes. Yeah, and and trauma that goes along with it as well. So we need to be very careful. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely not easy conversations. I would imagine mm -hmm. with that. So you know, talking about that, what is the number of homeless students that we have in Nevada County. Where are we, where are we at and when was that last count uh, that we had? Well, currently we are working with 2021-2022 uh, school year numbers. Mm -hmm. And last year we had um, 265 homeless students throughout and that is from ages um from infant from ages zero up to 18 okay. okay not only do we get uh the data from the the schools but we also work with the early childhood population so mm -hmm. you know the little ones that aren't in school yet right, but critical Some, critical Sometimes they're identified because they might have an older sibling, mm -hmm. but sometimes they come to us because we have been reaching out and doing some um, meetings and trainings with folks in the early childhood um, community, and we do plan to do another one later this school year and help them understand what this looks like, what, what homelessness in education and in a family might look like. So they can help identify and get services for the little ones if that's necessary. Um, and uh, so 
like I said, 265 students were identified through the schools last year. And these numbers sometimes look a little different given, uh, because that's very different from the county. The, the, the county works on, you know, different guidelines right. and different age groups. So we are identifying through the schools. Um, and uh, of those uh, 265, 82% of those students were living under doubled up Wow. Conditions. Wow, which usually the economic conditions. Right. Wow, mm -hmm. 82%. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Now, is that number east and west of Nevada County? Does that include the Tahoe Truckee School District, or are they in the Placer County count? Right, they're in the Placer County okay, count. Okay, so that's so just, just the western, western. slope mm -hmm. uh, in Nevada right. County. Right. Wow. Now, that number, how, I don't know who wants to answer this question, how does that compare to years past? Are we... Are we seeing an increase in homeless students? Are we seeing it holding a decrease? I mean, you know, you kind of have to look at trends over the years. One year to the next may not be. A, there's so many variables, but a trend. So, um, I would say that it's down a bit from years past, and that that um, doesn't mean that the need is any less. Right. Um, I think that it is largely attributed to COVID and um, mm. families moving into different areas and just uh, we're getting back into a phase of relationship building mm -hmm. and getting information out about how um, how people can access services and how to identify you know we have um, we have procedures in place in which families can self-identify at the beginning of the year during enrollment and then they can share that information with any school personnel at any given time throughout the year mm -hmm. um, to have a McKinney-Vento designation um, in order to access supports. But, um, you know, we rely, we still, and uh, through our community partnerships, um, families are also identified to us, mm -hmm. um, and then we can assist in enrollment practices um, or getting them connected to services. But um, in prior years, I've, I want to say that we've been around the low 300s, mm -hmm. okay. and so we're yeah. looking in a gap of maybe 40 to 50 um, we're, we're usually about 40 to 50 higher than we saw last year. But again, um, you know, we could have had, we can have families that we're still trying to look, locate yeah. maybe, or that have moved out of state. So yeah, it's hard to say. With COVID and, and different options, I know, yep, we lost count. Or, mm -hmm. uh, we were, it was hard to get people to this, get them a survey. Uh, People were afraid to go out in some cases. So, yeah, so getting back. Now, is that 300-ish number, was that consistent over the past several years? I mean, were we holding or were you seeing a, an increase in those numbers before we hit COVID where our data really got skewed? It was it was pretty consistent, was consistent? For, okay. for the last two or three years before COVID. There would be a little bit of, of a percentage difference but mm -hmm. i think that we remained within that 10 percent we never mm -hmm. changed okay. more than than that because that's like, one of the things the state looks at and right. that we have to account for if our numbers change dramatically um this year is kind of the first year that we're back at looking at these things after covid but prior to covid if our numbers changed over a certain percentage and i'm i think it was 10 percent is that so right mm -hmm. we would have to answer to the state yeah. as to what you know, 
Yeah. What made what was that discrepancy? Ten percent seems to be a magic number down at the state. When your your numbers change by ten percent, they think you, something's completely wrong. And in this case, I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, you drive from here down to the Bay Area, and every time I go down there or down ninety nine, the number of homeless encampments grow each time. And so you, know, you wouldn't think they'd be shocked that we would see larger increases. Uh, with the economy and that, but but it is the state. I I understand that all too well, um, Melissa. As you go around the state, because you, you, like you said, you're on various committees. Mm-hmm. Is that is our number or our percent pretty much in line with other rural counties? Because I know we can't compare to urban counties, but do you hear? I mean, you know, your colleagues, you know, El Dorado or Amador, other ones, are they seeing similar similar percentages? I haven't had dialogue with them about their their exact numbers or percentages but it does seem to be a common theme over the past year or well the past two years that um that folks are reporting a drop within school identification Same but it thing. doesn't necessarily mean that yeah. counties are seeing a decline yeah. because you know we're um you would want to look to our pit counts um here within nevada county our pit counts um, Point in time, right? Point in time. Okay, count. I know. We get this Ooh, lingo. So we good. we yeah. do it all the time, and people are like, what is a pit count? Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so the point in time count for Nevada County is primarily focused on the HUD definition for oh, okay. homeless, right. and it reflects one, you know, a certain time frame um, during the year, and it's a large effort. And I, I do want to add that the county schools always put together a supplemental report um, to be attached to that pit count mm-hmm. um, with the numbers that we're seeing. I think it's really critical when we're having dialogue within the community about um, affordable housing mm-hmm. and yeah. A- yeah. available housing. So um, we like to include those numbers yep. because that 82% that are doubled up still need a place to live. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They, they're under roof, but not their roof. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I know affordable housing has been, that's been a topic that's been mentioned every year that i've been working in nevada county and i'm going on year 32 and it's it's so difficult to tackle we haven't figured it out yet no we're all trying but we have not got it down and it's and it's critical for that we're making strides though yeah well and that you know and and making strides i know involves working with other agencies Mm -hmm. and what agencies does does the team here work with for homeless or homeless youth who do I think Katie hasn't had Katie. much time yeah, to let's talk. Yeah, let's throw it down to Katie. Katie. Yeah. Katie. Well, we work primarily with um, Salvation Army with the Boo Center. Um, we have a good partnership over there. Um, I attend weekly regional um, housing authority team meetings, to, and that's where all these agencies come together to talk about the homeless families within the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have AMI at the table, Hospitality now, what's House. what's AMI? Um, what is that? Oh, did I, catch? I mean, sometimes yeah. we use acronyms so much we forget what do they. Well, they recently changed it. It was AMI. It, AMI. Was, AMI. Yeah, it was AMI. Yeah, AMI Housing. Um, and so they provide housing for a lot of the families okay. within the community because they hold the housing support mm. program contract through CalWORKS. So okay. that is right. so CalWORKS is primarily working with families um, through that. Um, Spirit is there. Freed is there. Um, the Nevada County um, is there. It's so it's a really nice 
group of people working together to wrap around these families to provide the supports that they need. Um, yeah, yeah, we partner a lot with Connecting Point yeah. also um, and in working on getting families entered into the coordinated entry system. Yes. Uh, the Nevada County Superintendent of Schools Office now also holds... Um, Katie actually holds the um, housing management information system, the HMIS license, yeah. so that we're able to ensure that there isn't duplication of services. Exactly. And, um, and actually, that license allows me to sit on the HART team meeting um, because of the ROI that comes with that. I have to um, go through HART and ROI. Our, our listeners are like, yes. huh? Housing resource team All right. and a release of information. All right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's great. You have, yeah. it, you, you have access right then and there. Exactly. Yeah. And then it's it's cool because you're able to check to see what other services are being mm-hmm. provided for that family. So there's a lot. And again, I think something that I've said over and over again is each individual agency could not do a lot on their own. But when we all get together exactly. and pull mm-hmm. our resources and knowledge and efforts, then we can do a lot in our exactly. county. Yeah. With that. Now, Using our, our agency partners in that, Melissa, you mentioned a little earlier some of the things that we can help these families get. I mean, obviously, I'm thinking the housing, not a lot out there, but as soon as something comes, helping. So what what are some of those those, those services and, and goods that we can get our, our homeless youth to help them meet their needs? Or Charlotte, I'm not sure who the best person for this this question is. Hey, you. <clears throat> Are you asking, you know, what then can community partners contribute or, the, the or whole, what of the schools contribute? The whole package. The you whole know, package. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, it's a, it's, a, yeah, it's a team effort. So let's start with the schools. What can schools offer? And then we'll go beyond that to help our, help these kids out. So I think that the schools are a very dynamic resource. You know, they're, we are typically the first point of contact or identification Mm -hmm. for families that are in crisis. And so the more that we can do to educate families and to build relationship in order to ensure that families feel comfortable sharing with someone on a school campus about the struggles that they're having, the better that we can all work together to meet the needs that that family may have. And um, so on the frontline level, you know, I'd already mentioned a little bit about... um, enrollment um there could be transportation assistance there may need to be be some additional academic supports um transportation assistance could be different based on the needs of the family and the circumstances you had mentioned you know if um if we're ensuring the school of origin be maintained Mm -hmm. we may be working with two different districts to um come up with creative ways to help support the family in getting to school. We've also um, entered into partnerships with other agencies. You know, recently we had um, a variety of new families move into the Booth um, Family Center, mm-hmm. and they were all experiencing transportation challenges, you know, either had vehicles or vehicles mm-hmm. that weren't running mm-hmm. and um, needed some supports with that. And so... 
there's a real ebb and flow that has to do with transportation, but I know that Hospitality House was able to help out in um, mm-hmm. getting some children to school from the Booth Center, which was really a wonderful um, partnership. We're, yes. we're just truly blessed to have the collaborative um, relationships that we do here within and among agencies in Nevada County. So some, some of the other frontline um, things that or needs that are met on the school campuses have to do with, you know, academic supports, um, weather appropriate clothing and things mm-hmm. of that nature. But when it gets, when the needs that are identified are above and beyond what the school personnel can provide or what we're able to provide through financial supports, then that's when we um, would ensure that there's a referral made to Katie for case management support okay. services. And at that point, you know, she's really able to um, walk alongside of families and meet them where they're at, travel to wherever they are, um, and sit down and fill out needed paperwork with them. It's going to be a huge or, burden. Or, yes. Yeah, yeah and carve out the time to have mm-hmm. really sensitive dialogue with families um, and even walk them through the um, housing questionnaire. Yeah. Um, in order to get into coordinated entry. Would you like to speak more about that? Yeah, I can. Um, yeah, just the process to get into coordinated entry. The questions a are... coordinated entry, that's, that's services together to help. For homelessness, yeah. Um, and that's when they would call like 211. But mm-hmm. I'm also able to help. I'm able to enter them into that coordinated entry system. And usually it's because I can have a dialogue with them. We um, are able to answer the questions in a more honest way um, mm-hmm. because they are very sensitive things that I'm mm-hmm. asking them. Um, and then I'm able to sit down with them and help them, like Melissa said, complete um, various paperwork. But I also have the time to follow up with agencies and make sure that we have submitted everything correctly mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure that they are getting those access to services because that that's ultimately where they need to be. Right. Yep. Yeah. Now, you must come across, Katie, and I'm sure all of you have these success stories. Things that, you know, you go, yes. Yeah. Do you have one you could share? Something that sticks out? Yeah. It, it was a, a, a family I had last year. Um, I was just able to partner with um, multiple agencies to come alongside them. Um, they had just... They were connected to all these agencies, but weren't able to make those connections. And so we started weekly meetings together. And um, ultimately, they found housing, which was actually, it was really cool. Um, Because we all just came alongside this family, wrapped our arms around them, and just, and were able to get that for them. got them to where they needed to be. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That must make you go home at night going, we did it. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) the whole purpose were there. Yep. Nice. Nice. With that. Now. I noticed that uh, you have a green ribbon you, you are wearing. I am uh, wearing a green ribbon. And I ribbon. know there is a reason for that, <laughs> that this month is actually is, is special for this. So who would like to tell us what the green ribbon has to do and what's going on this month? It, the hands are pointing <laughs> towards Katie. She is so back on. November is um, Homeless Youth Awareness Month. Okay. And a resolution was actually signed last week by the Nevada County Board of Education declaring it in Nevada County is November is that month um, to celebrate. Tomorrow, we're actually all wearing green in order to bring awareness to this issue. Um, so it's actually really cool that we're on the air the Absolutely. night before. Absolutely. <laughs> so all our listeners, they can wear green exactly. tomorrow and support. Yeah. 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 Send us your selfies. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you can email me. 
at nevco.org. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. We're, we're very excited. Um, we are one of the early counties in the state of yes. California to um, adopt a countywide resolution. And the um, other major counties are larger counties like Contra Costa and wow. Santa Clara and San Diego. So I did you know, not know we were one of the first. I, you know, that's 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 pretty cool. You well, know, we're that that's what cool. we're doing. It is, <laughs> yeah. you know, to really to bring a light to it. And 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 I, and I would agree that you're you're pretty cool too. Um, and that yeah, that goes without saying. <laughs> so, are you, Scott. so with that, uh, what do we do besides? Uh, I'm sure part of this obviously would be to educate more people on homeless youth and and the uh, the uh, what they face and and things that can be done. Exactly. Um, and we got about one minute just perfect. to give you an idea. To yeah. Put it, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We would love to sit down and have a conversation with you and, um, and go into more detail about how you can support these families, what it looks like, um, and just bring awareness to this issue um, so that you can, you know, make a difference. Right. Absolutely. And I'm sure you're you're pushing this out to all the schools, making sure they all exactly. know it, all our districts, our charter schools, our private schools, it's, it's all all the families here so they know what's mm -hmm. coming and, and everybody we should be wearing green tomorrow. Exactly. Uh, with that, um, with that, about 15 seconds, 15, 20 seconds, any last thing you want to say? Anybody? Just thank you so much for having us on and um, and again, we just really appreciate the partnerships here in Nevada County. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And, and you know, and, and thank the three of you. You do amazing work. So Thank you all. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, Katie. I'd like to thank our listeners. You've been listening to Educationally Speaking on Katie Mar. Have a fantastic evening.